HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by MOFAD, the Museum of Food and Drink, inspiring public curiosity about food. Learn more at mofad.org. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, where a member-supported podcast network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. This year, we're celebrating 10 years of food radio. For the past decade, we've been taking you behind the scenes of farms, restaurants, breweries, school cafeterias, and more. It's been 10 years, and we're just getting started. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. I'm HRN's Communications Director, Kat Johnson, with a preview of this week's episode of Meat and Three, our weekly food news roundup. This week, we're celebrating Valentine's Day. Whether it's your favorite day of the season or you avoid it like the plague, there's no debating it's a big day for the world of food and hospitality. Valentine's Day is what we uh, refer to in the industry as a blackout day. I don't feel that my manlyhood is threatened when I order a glass of rosé or, God forbid, a rosé champagne. It's an old Jamaican drink from way back, and we just decided to bring it back into existence. It's a drink that the men, they believe it really does wonders. Tune in to this week's Meet and 3 on Heritage Radio Network. That's M-E-A-T plus sign T-H-R-E-E. Available wherever you listen to podcasts. Good evening, and welcome to Eating Matters, where we talk about food policy and how it impacts all of us. I'm your host, Jenna Liute, and we're broadcasting from Roberta's on Heritage Radio Network. One of the best parts about hosting a food policy show is that I get to talk to a wide range of people and organizations in the industry doing their part to create a healthier and more sustainable food system. The Chef's Collaborative is one such organization. It's a national nonprofit with a mission to inspire, educate, and celebrate chefs and food professionals building a better food system. Joining me in the studio today to talk more about what they're doing to create a better food system are three different people. We have Derek Wagner. He's the chef and owner at Nick's on Broadway in Providence. Um, we have Jake Rojas, who is also the chef of Tallulah's Taqueria, also in Providence. And we have Mark Oshima, the co-founder and chief marketing officer at Aero Farms. Hi, guys. Hey. hey Welcome to the show. Um, this is like pretty amazing. I have to say this is the, A, the most amount of people I've had in the studio <laughs> on 
uh, on with me and the fact that you guys are in person is thrilling because uh, most of my guests are on the phone. So this is like a really big deal. (laughs) We're happy to be here. You guys are like, great. And the pizza smells great. (laughs) And the pizza is amazing. Yeah, well, it's tempting on the other side of the glass. I watch people eat all day long and it's uh, it's a little torturous sometimes. Um, So hopefully you're not too hungry yet. Okay, so let's get into it. Um, The Chef's Collaborative. Uh, I kind of gave a really brief overview, but Mark, do you want to kick us off and, and tell us like, you know, a little bit more about the organization, when it was founded, um, and what you guys, what work you're kind of doing? Yeah, absolutely. And we're happy to share. And as you mentioned, you know, we're like a community and the fact that we have so many people here and representing so many different voices is really what is the power of Chef's Collaborative. And Chef's Collaborative has an amazing history. 25 years, it started 1993, even before the topics of sustainability were even thinking about and being entertained. And so... This has been one of the organizations we're thinking about, you know, how to have relevancy for the next 25 years and laying that foundation and thinking about what has been core, what has been really the guiding principles, you know, for the organization. And so we actually want to take a moment and really actually read before any meeting that we have, we actually read the six guiding principles that have really stood the test of time and have been mm-hmm. really guiding the organization. And so uh, if you bear with me, I just want to go through it. Yeah. First and foremost, food is fundamental to life, nourishing us in body and soul. The preparation of food strengthens our connection to nature, and the sharing of food immeasurably enriches our sense of community. Good food begins with unpolluted air, land, and water, environmentally sustainable farming, and fishing, and humanely animal husbandry. Food choices that emphasize delicious, locally grown, seasonally fresh, and whole or minimally processed ingredients are good for us, for local farming communities, and for the planet. Cultural and biological diversity are essential for the health of the earth and its inhabitants. Preserving and revitalizing sustainable food, fishing, and agriculture traditions strengthens that diversity. By continually educating themselves about sustainable choices, chefs can serve as models to the culinary community and the general public through their purchases of seasonal, sustainable ingredients and their transformation of these ingredients into delicious food. And the greater culinary community can be a catalyst for positive change by creating a market for good food and helping preserve local farming and fishing communities. And it's really these principles that have been the guiding in terms of the vision, which is around sustainable practices, will be second nature for every chef in the United States. And so we're talking about building on the shoulders of really major uh, people in the organization. So people like Alice Waters, Rick Bayless, were part of the founding members. Mm -hmm. And we think about the impact on the broader ecosystem. What we're excited about Chefs Collaborative is really by the chefs and for the chefs and really for the broader food system. Um, yeah. Okay. Well so, ju- yeah. <laughs> well done. <laughs> okay. I'm going home. To um, <laughs> mic drop. Done. So, what? Is, what? What is it? It's a. It's a membership organization. Are you advocacy? Um, do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. Okay. I mean, first and foremost, it's a membership organization that uh, does advocacy work. Also, uh, we um, these days especially partner with other organizations um, if uh, on advocacy work specifically, mm-hmm. um, but uh, it is a membership organization that's primarily focused on providing resource and connection for professional uh, food service um, people, chefs, cooks, mm-hmm. students, front of the house too, uh, but with a real focus on people that are purchasing and transforming food. So I want to step back and get a little bit more about your backgrounds and how Mm -hmm. you kind of um, each became involved with this organization. Mm -hmm. So Jake, can you tell us a little bit more about, you know, your, like your experience as a chef? When did you, are you, I mean, you're a chef owner and so do you own Tallulah? Yeah, chef owner. So I had a, uh, 
I have a fast casual taco shop now, but you know, kind of uh, started out with this uh, um, uh, kind of farm to fork restaurant that was uh, hyper focused on sourcing local animals, local agriculture, and aquaculture, being that we're in Rhode Island. Mm -hmm. And uh, I moved to the East Coast from Southern California, and I was having a hard time being in Newport, Rhode Island, finding local sustainable fish. Okay. Right. So that was the one that started for me. Yeah. Like, how do we only have salmon and tuna from these purveyors, and why don't we have blackfish and tautog and, you know, black, uh, striped sea bass and so on and so forth. That are also native to the That are to native these to the Rhode Island waters, mm-hmm. right? And I was just, I, I was kind of hitting the wall trying to figure out, like, you know, how come no one else is having this problem? Because so, nobody else cares as much? Yeah, I, I think that <laughs> might have been the reason, potentially. Yeah. Um, but, you know, then uh, I, I kind of got hooked up with uh, with Derek, who at the, at the time was... Uh, um, you know, uh, a member of Chess Collaborative and, and uh, kind of shared some knowledge with me and, and hooked me up with, uh, you know, some local fishermen that were doing some really, really cool stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of where it started for me. And this was in 2011-ish. Um, Mark, you are not a chef. Are you a chef? In addition to being a mar- chief marketing officer, <coughs> do you chef? And- Enthusiast. Uh, Enthusiast, and yes, but, yes. Uh, by no means a chef, but what I am is inspired, you know, by uh, these incredible role models. When we talk about advocacy. I think the greatest aspect of that is not just how you vote with your fork, but you know, again, what do you stand for? What do you show up for? And uh, Chefs Collaborative has an incredible set of role models that are, serve as inspiration for me. And we think about the entire food system. Uh, it's the chefs and ultimately what you're doing with the product, but it's also the sourcing. And for me, the journey started with the farming. And so uh, I'm one of the co-founders for Aero Farms, Indoor Vertical Farming. And the idea of how do we enable local production, create a greater connection with your food mm-hmm. is one element. And thinking about, again, how do we do more with less? And so the idea that we can grow with 95% less water and no pesticides is an important part of the story. Uh, but that's what about, your company does. And that's yeah. what Aero Farms is yeah. really focused on. And so there's a lot of good alignment and shared values. But for me, this is really a nexus in terms of like, why do I volunteer? Why am I part of the board? It's really this nexus of personal and professional in terms of thinking about what kind of impact. Uh, and again, how do we continue this legacy? And so it's really uh, an important and uh, endeavor to think about how do we create that ongoing mm-hmm. uh, impact that we can do. And um, Derek, do you just want to give us, uh, you know, briefly how you came to work at the Chef's Collaborative or work with the Collaborative? You know, I grew up in Rhode Island on the coast and I couldn't figure out how to buy local seafood for my restaurant. You know, I knew where the docks were. I knew where the port was, but there wasn't an infrastructure or process or an availability. Um, and there was a lot of uh, misinformation mm-hmm. out there, especially in seafood. But yeah, it's a very convoluted, so opaque convoluted and industry. So, so opaque. And um, it started from curiosity and it started from just a desire to have the best product, the most delicious product that really expressed when I decided to not leave Rhode Island and open a restaurant in Rhode Island mm-hmm. instead of moving to one of the big cities. cities yeah. Um, I, you know, I, I made a uh, thought that I wanted to use food and share ingredients that expressed a sense of place and it was really hard you know I could drive to farms and buy produce and bring it back to the restaurant but I couldn't 
meat and seafood was a huge obstacle, uh, infrastructure-wise, process-wise. There was just nothing there. Yeah. Um, you had to buy from a big packer. You had to buy from distributor. a distributor. So how has the your work with Chefs Collaborative changed in that particular instance as like an example of the work that you guys have done? It really snowballed from that that sort of fire that turned into anger, that turned into like... <laughs> you know, what is, you know, just, this is in, like, I can't be the only one that this is happening to. And I found these other chefs. Uh, I went to a meeting in Boston um, at, at uh, Craigie Main actually, and met a, um, a couple of chefs up there and, and talked to them about some things that they were doing. And I met some fishermen uh, that came down to the restaurant. We sat down and we started talking about their challenges and my challenges and what their goal was was to get more local fish in chef's hands. And my goal was like, to get would, it, to get it. I would it. like yeah. to get it. Yeah. And I would also like to help you get it to other people also mm-hmm. because it wasn't just for me. I wanted, you know, for me, I've always wanted to, you know, do something bigger than myself or help other people and yeah. help the community, um, help my, you know, my peers to also do better and and have more and uh, that was a great window into that and we started working on um the bristol bay salmon um it was i can't i don't know if i got the dates right but you know not too far after that was when pebble mine was happening and bristol bay salmon was in danger and chef's collaborative really um came to um the call for that and did a lot of work to help um to help catalyze uh, like a resistance towards building those mines and ruining those fisheries, right. and uh, that, so that was that was like really a call to arms nationally. Uh, that that showed me the power of of the collaborative. So you so you met up with the. Um use it through net through networking right to Mm -hmm. kind of have like a professional organization that you can tap into for um, questions like sourcing things like that everything everything to the nuance of uh i'm having you know trouble connecting with my sous chef or my my cook all around support to like you know um how can i make sure that i'm sourcing buying and and serving seafood that's not, you know, in danger of of participating in slave labor in mm-hmm. Indonesia or Polynesia. Yeah, frozen you know, like, or been around the world. You know, like three times. Yeah, it, it takes frozen a, four times. Four times, five times. <laughs> four uh, you know, too. bleached I like it, or frozen five. grown in time. <laughs> you like the frozen? You think it's best? For, you think it's like that's so, fifth times a charm? It's, it's just terrible. like frozen. Yeah. It's terrible. A little chemical dip. No. Yeah. Um, but it takes a. It, it really very fluidly goes macro and micro uh the questions and the resources and and also the meetings you know we'll have local meetings or we'll have national meetings or we'll have these phone calls where we've got our local leaders from uh all over the country that are talking to each other about these these either successes or challenges that they're having yeah and i want to talk a little bit about the network you know what that looks like but Mm -hmm. first um I, I, you know, just a question mark. Can you tell us kind of what your big priority issues are? Like, you know, what have they been in the past? Have they transitioned? I'm just throwing all of this out on the table. Mm-hmm. So we'll, we'll start with you, Mark. But like, um, yeah, I mean, I would say, are there, have there been, what are the priorities that have been, you know, kind of set in the past and how have they evolved over time? Yeah, sure. <clears throat> so it's really been a core focus on when we talked about sustainability and we talked a little bit about, uh, three core areas that have been sort of 
pillars for the organization. Uh, one is on uh, what we call seafood solutions. Uh, one's on meat matters. Another one's on food waste. So mm-hmm. things thinking again about how do we uh, be resourceful with our sourcing? How do we be judicious? How do we think about that ecosystem so we can support a broader group there? And I think when we think about the organization, the definition of sustainability has evolved. And it's not just about the sourcing, it's about the entire restaurant, the whole space. And so it's about uh, the chef, it's about the, the team members, it's about worker welfare. Uh, so we think about a broader set of issues in terms of how to run a successful operation and mm-hmm. have, that, have the right impact. And so what's exciting to see is that Chef's Collaborative has a continuous core that can and has been able to evolve and be able to address a broader set of constituents. Yeah. I'm interested in how the, how it's evolved, you know, what the kind of the organization has looked like and how it's adapted to. We have, you know, we're obviously, we, we live in a social media fueled world mm-hmm. and it is way easier to kind of make these connections. Um, yeah. You know, you have like Facebook groups and listservs and a mm-hmm. lot of different ways to reach people and to create these online communities. So, um, you know, how is the kind of the organization evolved over time mm-hmm. um, and what have the what are the changes like that social media have, have brought into it? It, it certainly, um, you know, and even from a small business owner perspective, you know, when, when social media came about it, and that happened really right in the middle of my, you know, business, we opened and I opened in 2002 and that was still at the tail end of print media and like where, you know, if you didn't have five, five or $10,000 to drop a half or quarter page ad and something, yeah. you know, you, you needed a publicist or you needed this massive amount of resource to get in even a ticket into yeah, yeah. the game of, you know, having some kind of exposure or mm-hmm. connection. And that was not something I had. And, uh, that as many small business owners didn't have. And I think when social media came around, um, it sort of, I don't want to say leveled the playing field, but at least gave another, an alternative act point of access for small businesses to, um, you know, one connect directly uh, to each to other, each other, and also yeah. to the end user, the guests, you right, yeah. and back and forth, and then also to each other, um, and also to share their story in a really authentic, non-filtered, way, in many way. many cases, way, yeah, uh, in real time, um, yeah. uh, twenty-four hours a day, and what that did for, I think, for groups like us, was again, it created you know, a space and time where things were in re- real time and you were less encumbered by by distance or by financial resource on how you had access to each other or access to information. Mm-hmm. And I think that was huge for, for this type of work or this type of philosophy and also yeah. just people, what we would, what we like to say, people on a journey, like chefs or cooks on a journey, like wherever they are in that journey, the beginning of their career, the end of their career, the middle, mm-hmm. um, the meat and potatoes of it, like what that people that are really on the rise and doing well, but you know, like how do you tap into the, the, this vast network or yeah. how do you gain access to people and resources and not have to show up to an event that you had to pay $500 for a ticket to and then feel like, you know, you're just a member of the audience. Yeah. And one of the things that we've always done is you may be, you know, and this has happened, like I've ended up on a bus next to Rick Bayless or like, you know, and like, we're just like talking like as we're on our way to the next, you know, event. And, you know, it's sort of like we've always 
been able to find this way to create a, sen a real sense of community where you could have a, a, a culinary student or a, a, an owner operator or a, or a chef that works for a company that's in his first or second year or her first or second year of being that in that position sitting next to you know so that's like Mary Sue Millican or yeah that's you know, the, like and that's the in-person kind of connection so I'm um, Jake I want to bring you back in um this is a conversation so have you um you are a local leader right a chapter leader I am and what does that entail like you know I think we talked a little bit about social media but obviously the in-person connection has got to be super important to kind of create and build your local network so what does that mean you know to you and in, in your work with a collaborative well, uh, first and foremost, I think uh, the um, the major point that I think we try to instill is is that you're building community and you're involved in your community because mm -hmm. that's where it starts. I mean, that's where the change starts is 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 within our own our own four walls that we spend the majority of our time in, but then you know also within our neighborhoods, um, and whether it's a small town or you know a big city, I think there's a lot of opportunity to make change. So as a local leader, um, you know one one of the, the the major things is is outreach. Um, you know we we kind of have this open line of communication that is 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 there for you know uh, anybody that has potential obstacles. Um, for where we're at in Rhode Island, uh, in Providence, um, especially, you know, we've got Johnson Wells that's just, you know, a hop, skip, and jump away from, you know, anywhere in, in the culinary in the city. school. Yeah, the culinary mm -hmm. school. Um, so, you know, we, we do quite a bit of outreach with them. Uh, Derek and I have set on, um, you know, the sustainable and wellness uh, board to help create, um, you know, curriculum for the up and coming uh, generation of chefs. Um, that are going to make change. Um, so, you know, as a whole, uh, you know, someone that it's a local leader, and we have local leaders, you know, uh, all over um, the nation, which is super cool. Um, but just I, I, realistically, I think starting in the community is, is, is the one part that we really, really uh, try to empower. So that means like getting involved with local organizations and other meeting other chefs. And does that a lot of that work happen in person also? Oh, for sure. I mean, we, we have, uh, you know, um, uh, biannual and annual. Um, uh, we just had a, you know, uh, the Harvest Barbecue, which, you know, we raised, a, you know, a, a bit of money for Chefs Collaborative. But we bring our community of chefs, you know, 15 or 16 of them all into the same you know onto the same farm yeah and we don't never we we never get the opportunity to do these things because we're just all so busy um you know just trying to sustain ourselves um you yes. know so it's like very that, important that, yeah. that that is i think the important part is is you know being able to do that before we kind of hit the you know yeah okay we're going to take a really quick break and take a uh, hear a word from our sponsors but um stay tuned because we've got a lot more conversation coming up this episode is brought to you by MOFAD, the Museum of Food and Drink. Featuring a variety of interactive displays, MOFAD encourages eaters of all ages to be curious about food. The museum currently operates MOFAD Lab, a 5,000-square-foot experimental space in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, where Chow, making the Chinese-American restaurant, is currently on show until the end of March 2019. This exhibition celebrates the birth and evolution of Chinese-American restaurants, tracing their nearly 170-year history, 
and sparking conversations about food culture, immigration, and what it means to be American. It highlights the evolution timeline of Chinese American restaurant menus, dating back to 1910, and also highlights a tasting section where participants get to enjoy tastings created by the country's most talented chefs who specialize in Chinese American cuisine. Make sure you check out Chow while you still can. The exhibition closes at the end of March 2019. Check out Mofad's tastings and extensive event calendar at mofad.org/events. Are you enjoying this podcast? Heritage Radio Network has plenty more. My name is Allison Kane, and I'm the host of In the Sauce here on HRN. Now that I'm expanding my cooking school to a sauce line in grocery stores, I need all the help I can get, and I want to help other entrepreneurs build their brands too. You can find In the Sauce wherever you listen to podcasts and on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. And we're back. Um, we're today. We are talking uh, with the Chefs Collaborative. Some of their key members. Um, we have in the studio Mark Oshima from Arrow Farms, Derek Wagner from Nick's on Broadway, and Jake Rojas from Tolulas Taqueria. Um, before we went on break, um, we were talking a little bit um, about. Kind of the power of of this network, and you know how do you reach people? Um, and Mark, you said something really interesting when we were on break about how um, you know, like what this organization actually does, and how it's it's not just words. You said, yeah, just to build on some of the things that both Derek and Jake shared, things that I've seen that have been so powerful. It's not just about community connection; it's about context and how to make it relevant. And really providing the tools for the chefs and restaurateurs and people in the food system to make better choices and actually, you know, think about how to have a mentor or a coach in the, in the, in the context of, you know, how to do better. And this is what's really powerful, what I've seen in terms of the history of the Chefs Collaborative is making that impact and helping. When we think about the founding members, people like Alice Waters or Rick Bayless or uh, other I've, he I've heard of them. Other chairmen like... <laughs> Once or twice. Once or twice, People yeah. from the board, like Michelle Nishan. Uh, people have gone yeah. off and have done tremendous things and impact. And it started with that Chef's Collaborative of coming together, recognizing the impact of that collective, and really how it's not just the individual, but it's really the power of everybody amp amplifying you know, the work. And so um, the thing that I continue to hear is that this is really, you know, if you will, the, the, the working person's group and that you're giving the right tools to people to make better decisions and very actionable, very tangible decisions. Yeah. Do you think um, I've got I've got a couple of questions. Do you think that this like kind of drive towards when we think about sustainability and all the things that that could that that could mean? I mean, um, you know, Mark, I'm curious as to your opinion. Do you think that this is like a new kind of concept or focus or emphasis for the industry. Like we have the, the leaders like, I mean, Alice Waters and Rick Bayless, they're um, the pioneers, mm -hmm. I would say, but maybe not necessarily the norm. So I'm curious, actually all of your opinions of like, has this been a big sea change in the industry over the past 20 years or so? Um, yeah, Mark, you want to start? I would say the foundation has been, and really Chef's Collaborative has really been really about the chef community and it's been more if you will b2b if you will not as much consumer facing and right. that where we see the big sea changes on the consumer front in terms of really we think about transparency awareness you think about the trends in terms of people thinking about where their food is coming from where it's sourced how it's prepared um you talked about social media those are all things that are helping provide tools to be able to have you know again that more transparency so it's helping fuel again a different awareness 
And what we see as an opportunity with Chefs Collaborative is really kind of how to take the veil off and really be able to share all the good work that's being and happening you know, behind the scenes and really be able to celebrate and really be able to think about, again, how the broader community benefits. Because it's it's a broader ecosystem and, right. and, and you really need all participants mm-hmm. and not only voting with the wallet, but also just raising awareness. Yeah. And so that extends to other chefs is what you're saying also, because I mean, I don't I mean, do you I guess, you know, I want the chef perspective. Um, So like like Jake, do you think that all chefs are are really worried about this? It's a very broad question. But um, I guess I imagine that a lot of times, you know, restaurant work is really hard and the margins are thin. And a lot of times you don't you know, certain chefs might not have the um, luxury of really being super concerned with sourcing maybe i mean do you think that this organization has helped kind of inspire other chefs to even think that way for sure i think you know i think for me the thing that inspired me was understanding that other chefs are doing it so i had the opportunity to do it if i just connected or if you know if i you know uh, if I was to put myself in those positions. But, you know, I, I have a different restaurant than I had when I became a Chef's Collaborative member, um, you know, and so... How so? Uh, I, I have a, a, a restaurant that does much more volume than I would have ever, evolved, you know, imagined yes, of, f- of, of having, you yeah. know, um, as a 35-seat uh, restaurant initially. Um, so, you know, my even, you know, my the perspective that I have on the Collaborative have, has evolved um, but I, I think that, uh, you know, realistically, what it comes down to is is each individual needs to take a step back that's in the kitchen and look at what the big picture uh, is of what we're actually doing on a day to day basis. And, you know, we're we're we have the opportunity to um, be in the, you know, the driver's seat of creating um, and making decisions that readily impact our environment. Mm-hmm. And I think that's when you put it into perspective in that way, um, I think many more uh, food handlers will take a step back and look at it and be like, oh, OK, yeah, that's a real situation. It's, uh, and it's also becoming harder to turn a blind eye to it mm-hmm. and say that you just didn't know or you didn't right. know that that was important because of the transparency level yeah. in the cause and effectness of of decision making both in terms of and when we say the environment now we're not just talking about you know the earth we're talking about our environment and that means people and that means human health and mm-hmm. that means you know uh, mental health and that means uh, everything from um, so the you, health of our business care, yeah. how you take care of yourself how you take care of your workers how you know sustainability had had this this preconception that it only had to do with environmentalism you know for so long Mm -hmm. and that was the only lens that we were looking at and and it then and i agree with you at that point it becomes something that you maybe have a choice to not pay attention to i'm not going to buy the eco-friendly this or i can't use local this for this because the price doesn't work but when we talk about the i mean those are real barriers they're huge barriers that we that i struggle with still you know and i'm 17 years into business you know and i still struggle with those every day yeah. you know and they're huge barriers that w- that it cannot be minimized so but what motivates you to like work you know to kind of work past those barriers uh, the idea that i have to lead by example and that my choices or my lack of choices have a cause and effect and i can't be a hypocrite and if i want people to 
to to do better and be nicer and be nicer to each other and, and make better make more meaningful decisions then I have to start with myself right yeah. and yeah. that's just the way that I am and I want the people to be that way too and but I know that it starts with me and if I if I can't do those if I can't make those decisions in my restaurant in my business mm -hmm. on a day to day basis that make it better for my staff and my community and my farmers mm -hmm. then I'm living a lie you know or I'm not you know I'm not living the mission or I'm uh, how can I possibly affect the broader community right. if, if I'm not taking yeah, care you're, of you're the leading people. you're leading by example yeah and absolutely and, and, and teaching and hoping to inspire chefs and culinary professionals to start with the people that are around their campfire yeah. first and then that is really the most meaningful and impactful way that we can maintain like sustained change you know yeah absolutely um mark what work is the collaborative doing at if any i don't know if this is outside the purview um you know of the mission but to inspire the, not just the next generation of chefs but the next generation of cooks at home cooks, people like me, you know, who, um, like, I, you know, I, I'm just constantly blown away by the number of people who in the city don't cook. And I don't mean like they don't cook very well or very often. I mean, people who like use their oven as kitchen storage. It's like storage, which it, there's a lot of those people out there. And I, I personally think if we get more people in the kitchen, it's going to lead to all of these amazing problems and solve like a lot of the issues in our food system. So um, this is a long-winded way to ask, like, is the collaborative doing any work to kind of create, like to inspire the next generation? to people just like, cook more with their, with their families at home? Uh, I would say both direct and indirect. I mean, I would say broadly in terms of, again, understanding you know where your food's coming from, creating that connection. And so whether you're enjoying that in a restaurant or you're enjoying that at home, it's making sure you understand you know where and how it was sourced. I think that's one of those lessons that are really being amplified you know by the Chefs Collaborative. Uh, I think about events. Um, Jake just mentioned the Harvest Barbecue that just happened in Rhode Island. I took my family to it. And again, for my family to see firsthand the work that the chefs are doing, the farms are doing in terms of providing, it helps make better decisions than when we go to the market and thinking about how do we purchase. And so those are all opportunities, both directly and indirectly, to have a, a bigger impact there. And so without question, it's really thinking about, again, how we think about that broader uh, opportunity to create more awareness here. Um, what are, you know, if, we, if I want to put my, like, policy hat on right now, which is my favorite hat. <laughs> what are, are you guys doing? What kind of advocacy work are you doing? If, if you know, anything, um, you know, what initiatives are you really like advocating for? And is that, does that happen mostly at the local level or is that also at the, you know, state and federal level as well? I, I think that's something that we have certainly, um, worked with and partnered with, um, other organizations, um, on to, um, sort of, mobilize our boots on the ground if you will like our chefs to activate to a cause mm -hmm. um and i think we've also learned that um there are organizations that are really built uh well um to work on specific policy um and you know like catherine um with james beard uh, organization mm -hmm. in, has done such a great job with uh, advocacy work and you know i've I know our chefs and myself included have really mobilized around a lot of um, the uh, the issues with Farm Bill or, um, you know, with 
uh, with Chefs Collaborative, with Chef Ann Foundation. We've worked with Chef Ann, and you know, with um, real real school food. Ann Cooper, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And she's wonderful, and she's she's been involved with the collaborative, and so I think from issue to issue, like partnering with people that really have. Are there any specific issues that you guys are like mobilizing around right now? Um, uh, seafood has been a big one. Uh, we've worked with uh, EDF and the Environmental Defense Fund yep. and uh, and uh, on the Magnuson-Stevenson Act um, mm-hmm. is a big one. Um, yep. So, Do you want to tell us, do you want to give us a, a one of you want to jump in and explain what that is? No, that's a big one. <laughs> that's a big one. It's it's the national. I, I mean, I'm probably going to mess this up, but I think that the most distilled version, it's it is the um, single uh, piece of uh, of um, legislation that helps to manage and uh, protect our. Our, our fisheries in mm-hmm. the country. Um, and that's really oversimplifying it, um, like, tremendously. Um, and it's a really complex thing, uh, but it's in danger of being chopped up and, and being discarded in, in many ways. And it's not a perfect by any means, um, and it needs a lot of work and attention. But that's an example of but a bill it, that's that a, you've that's been an example mobilizing of a, of around. A, of a bill that, that our, our chefs have mobilized around. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, that's been a big one in terms of specific legislation. Right, specific. I know the farm bill uh, has also been something that a lot of chefs in the collaborative have been very concerned with and, and, and talking about Working as well. towards. Yeah. Um, I'm wondering if the, you guys can, you know, Jake, I'll give this one to you. Do you have like an example of how chefs have been... So we know that there are a lot of examples about how chefs have been like really great for kind of the sustainable like movement towards more sustainable food system. But do you have any examples or something that comes to mind um, where like looking back, you can say like that they might we may have hindered progress on a couple of these goals. <laughs> no, I, I mean I'm, I can I can I'm I can, sure they're I out can there. Certainly, yeah, I think. Back in the, uh, you know, it was like probably the beginning of my time or the, the middle of my time, like at the end of the 90s and the beginning of the 2000s, I think that we had a group of chefs that sort of made it too precious to be involved in sustainability and it had to be a white tablecloth owner-driven, like high-end Interesting. restaurant yeah. sort of to be involved in, like good food had to be it was not accessible right. as accessible and I think we learned from that uh-huh. and um, have changed so much in that way but right. we talk about that a lot that you know good food has to be accessible and it also has to be scalable to create meaningful impactful change like yeah. you know we have to teach universities and hospitals and larger restaurant companies we have to get them to come to the table because they can impact huge massive amounts of, of yeah. change um, and that was something I would say probably 20 years ago that would not have happened, happened or 15 yeah. years ago that might not have happened. Yeah. yeah. What are some of the, you talked about the curriculum that you're helping to advise on for the culinary school, Johnson and Wales, right? Mm, yeah. Yes. What are some of the like key points that you are working to incorporate in that? 
awareness i think is is one of the biggest ones i mean you know there's been multiple times that we've 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 sat in you know in in these amphitheaters with these young individuals that are just they're so gung-ho and 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 ready to get out and into the cooking world um but just don't know in which way they can make an impact so you know i think more so than maybe some of the nuts and bolts parts of the curriculum part i think it's you know the the sharing the stories of uh you know what it actually means to put you know that that chef coat on you know and and what kind of the power you can have yeah what kind of meaningful impact that actually can be um and uh i think that uh, just just by having you know some of these these very simplified conversations with some of these individuals i think it's 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 really been very impactful um more so than you know maybe kind of creating this this like sustainable outlook into a curriculum or into you know into this into a, a classroom setting per se um you know i i feel like whenever we're doing this i approach it from a very real life situation you know mm-hmm. um, i think people uh and young people especially tend to can potentially relate in some way um so uh and they kind of it kind of works for me so yeah all right. Um, we only have time for a couple more questions, but I want to know from each of you, who is somebody in the industry that you think is doing something super innovative right now? And um, what is it? And, you know, why do you think it's super innovative? Who wants to go first? Any takers? I know I put you guys all on the spot. <laughs> Besides yourselves, obviously. Well, I mean, I think one right right off the bat that, you know, is innovating and has innovated and has been a huge part of, you know, some of the ideals that Chef's Collaborative lives by is, is, is Barton Seaver. Um, so I, I think he's someone that, you know, we I still look at as, uh, the, you know, an individual that lives and dies by what he preaches and that's important where where is his restaurant this is where i'm a little (laughs) bit behind the culinary times yeah um he's you know he actually doesn't have a restaurant he started a he's starting um he's starting a uh he does a lot of seafood seafood advocacy work Uh and teaching um and he's an author and he was a restaurant chef that now is working on a, a seafood school like to train oh. to train yeah. people about seafood wow. sustainability yeah which is cool yeah very totally. cool him and adam mm-hmm. yeah adam's doing some yeah. great work as well i don't know adam who's adam adam danforth is a butcher and author also doing on the educational side uh-huh. like training training chefs uh adam is one of our board members and also um we do you know part of our meat matters uh focus on on how to uh, care more about sourcing and using better meats um, and whole animal, not just whole animal usage, that's part of it, but just sourcing and using meats. So Adam does a lot of uh, advocacy and educational work around that. I think that's what you were mean, right? Yeah, 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 for sure. Absolutely. Um, for, for me, I think that's a hard question because there's so many people doing incredible work yeah. right now. Uh, I think I will always, uh, one person that always sticks out in my mind, um, who's not, again, not doesn't have a restaurant anymore, but Michelle Nishan is mm-hmm. somebody I always look up to and say, like, that is, like, the North Star of, like, what you can accomplish 
from being a cook into a chef into like somebody that has evolved even beyond that who I would still say he's a a chef you know because that's what he's done his whole life but he's now taken that and amplified it into so many different ways and is touching so many people like in, in, in on such an incredible level and I think that that work is really inspiring to me and to the you know I know to the collaborative as well um in terms of like uh, working restaurant chefs, I think um, I, one of our Hugh Hugh Atchison uh, is, is doing you know incredible work with um, his education and like and uh, program. Yep. and that he's uh, helped where to is, create. Where is his restaurant? Uh, is it Southern? I, I should know that. Yes, it's definitely Southern. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I, I'm just trying to remember what city it's in. Uh, I, yeah, I it's. Can't there's yeah. a cu- he's got a he's couple. He's got a couple, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, but he's a father, and he's a chef, um, and he's used his voice and his passion to um, to really make a meaningful impact in young children's lives and in the education system as a whole. Yeah. And I think that that's, again, it just really speaks volumes about the power of a chef and the power and platform of somebody that what they can do uh, yeah. with, with their voice. Absolutely. Mark, anyone who's like, you know, who you're like, look at that, you know, th- look at this person, someone to watch doing really amazing things. I'm going to highlight a different part of the, the food space. And uh, I want to talk about a distributor. I want to talk about someone here uh, called Baldor. And we think about some of the work they're doing around the, they have a program called Sparks. And it's really scraps spelled backwards, but the idea of how to take food waste. And they've turned this now into... Uh, a product that they're selling out to restaurants Mm -hmm. and they've been able to rethink again very fundamentally what had been waste and turn it into a business stream so they're changing they're innovating around you know that part but that is really one of the toughest things we talk about how to have broad impact is that last mile and how to do something efficiently and so they're working with their own waste that they have but they also work with different farms and farmers around second harvest and recovering product or ugly produce and they're able to then be able to funnel that out to the chefs who are then able to then create um, something impactful but they're doing it at a scale and that's really when we think about impact and so they're changing some of the uh, I think business fundamentals around that and so uh, Baldor is a great example around and they also have this what's called a local pledge and a commitment that you know they will source and provide something you know from a particular purveyor uh, but one of the challenges you have with local is the availability, uh, or perhaps the availability because of you know, weather or different uh, issues. And they have a commitment around substituting other local products. In. And so they're changing the equation about thinking about business. And so you need more partners in that in terms of being able to think about the broader impact. Mm-hmm. Yes, from the industry perspective, absolutely. And I was like, and from the business and consumer perspective, our harvest, <laughs> where I have the um, wonderful opportunity of working, we uh, connect local, you know, consumers to their local chefs and fishermen and producers through our online platform. But we're we're doing something kind of similar, but on the um, direct to consumer side. So hopefully, we'll have that. <laughs> that scale that Paldor does but no they're they're doing really great things and I think it's important to highlight all aspects of the supply chain and how you know that intersect with kind of like a chef's overall um, influence and choosing who you what distributors you do work for work with all right um, anything else that coming down the pike like what's next for the organization exciting initiatives um, events coming up in each of your communities 
nationally? Yeah, uh, we have we have another great uh, Meat Matters event going on in New Mexico, which is our newest um, local chapter, if you will. Um, and Adam Danforth and myself are flying down there to do some workshops oh, nice. uh, with the chefs and and talk about you know animal utilization and sourcing and and do some butchery demos. So that's something that we've done a couple times um, and. We're excited to get down to New Mexico and meet the new chefs down there. Awesome. Yeah, so that's fun. Very cool. Yeah. All right. All right, gentlemen. Well, thank you so much for joining me. This was really great. Yeah. Thanks so much for having us. Thank you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I want to... And Hugh's to... places are in Georgia, by the way. Atlanta. Oh, Georgia, Atlanta. Georgia, yeah. Oh, and why, where I don't can know why we go? I space for a minute. Where I'm like the South, right? Yeah. Where, um, where can we go for more information? Our listeners go for more information yeah. on the collaborative. So you can check us out at chefscollaborative.org. Uh, we also have an uh, Instagram page and a uh, Twitter page and a Facebook group page as well yeah. awesome all right okay um big thanks to our sponsors for their generous support um my show music is by tim archer all episodes of eating matters are available on the hrn website or as a podcast um wherever you can find a podcast if you haven't done so already please subscribe if uh and you know what let me leave me a comment let me know what you think um i'm jenna Liu, and thank you for listening i'm jenna Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.